Hello, cabbages. Welcome to the first episode of Behind the Bison. That's what you're about to listen to. Uh, so this week and next week are going to be Behind the Bison Part 1, Behind the Bison Part 2. We kind of just kind of chat and talk about this first season. I wanted to say first off that one of the reasons we're doing this is to give the cast and the crew a little bit of break between season one and season two, uh, just to let them process through a little bit and also give us time to prep and prepare for season two. So that's why we're doing these kind of chat episodes and then Brindlewood Bay for the next month, just because we wanted to have a little bit of a break between season one and season two, but we also want it to have at least something to listen to every week. So again, you're about to listen to the first part of Behind the Bison. And I will say too that we were having so many internet issues when we recorded this. Uh, Monroe kept dropping in and out of the call. Danny kept dropping in and out of the call. Monroe's computer broke down at some point. She hopped on her phone. Her phone broke down at some point. She tried to hop back on the computer. That wasn't really working. So uh, if it's not the normal quality of audio that you're used to, I apologize for that. When we get to the second part, it should be fixed. So yeah, hope you enjoy us just kind of chatting. Air, water, earth, fire. For hundreds of years, the four nations have lived in harmony. The Avatar, master of all four elements, was always responsible for maintaining the peace. But Avatar Roku passed away 13 years ago. Now, the four nations look to the Air Nomads to reveal the next Avatar, but the world is met with silence. Rumors from the Earth Kingdom abound that the Fire Nation is planning an aggressive move into the Earth Kingdom. Five young heroes were too late to save the Southern Air Temple, but they hold vital information that could save the Earth Kingdom and maybe even save the world. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Behind the Bison. If you don't already know, we are an Avatar Legends actual play podcast, and we've just finished a riveting first season of our show. Now, we're about to dive headfirst into Spoiler Town, so I highly advise you pause this, listen to the entire first season real quick, and just come back here to listen to us talk about it. All right, you're back? Cool. Hi, I'm Danny. I'm here with the rest of the crew, and we're just going to dig deep into some of the events our characters experienced throughout the first half of the season, as well as answer some questions from fans of the show, and maybe some that we have for each other as well. Now, like I said, this is just part one of our little uh, behind-the-scenes look of the first season, because there is just so much for us to talk about here, and we thought it best to cover one half of the season in each episode. Um, today, we're going to talk about everything leading up to the group's infiltration of the Fortress of Ash, as well as the events that transpired at the Fortress itself. Let's take a moment to just go back all the way to the beginning of our show. Now, we've opened up a channel on our Discord for fans to ask any questions they have regarding the first season of the Flying Bites podcast and just about the podcast in general. And we've explored a bit how our party of characters met in the fiction, but Fakbo from Discord asks what our origin story is. How did we, um, the players, meet in real life? Great question. Yeah, who wants to feel that one? 
Mm-hmm. I feel like actually Justin like, started everything. I mean, sorry to yeah. just like make you do stuff, Justin, but <laughs> no, like, you know, I get to relax. I don't have to do stuff, and then I we're know. immediately like, Justin, hey, answer the question. I, exactly. <laughs> let's have Danny facilitate tonight. Oh, Justin, can you? Justin, answer this question. Uh, I'm I'm playing producer, which is why. Uh, which is why you're. Which is why I'm, I'm busy right now. Which is why I, I don't have time for all of you. No, I have. <laughs> I have always wanted to do an actual play podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think since I first started listening to, well, I've been playing tabletop rolling games for like ten years, and then I found Glass Cannon. I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, this, this is my space right here." And so, I've been like waiting for the right opportunity to do something. I was like, well, "I don't I, like. I love Pathfinder. I don't know if I want to do Pathfinder." And Danny and I, we've been talking about it for just as long. And so mm-hmm. when I saw that Avatar Legends was getting announced, I was like, well, now is the perfect opportunity because I think, uh, you know, we'll have our own audience. We won't have to, like, muscle in on the D&D or Pathfinder game. Mm-hmm. We'll be one of the first people doing an Avatar Legends actual play. Um, and I think we'll have a ton of fun playing it. And so I had uh, talked to Danny and I had talked to Steve about it. Both of them are like, this is a great idea. Let's do it. And I said, oh, if you know anyone who's like interested in this sort of thing, send them my way. And Danny said, I got a friend in my Pathfinder game. And then Steve was like, not only do I have a friend that I've worked with, but I got a cousin. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And yeah, that's uh, that's how we all met. So like, I've actually I've never met Johnny on the real in person. I've met Nick now because I played in uh, 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 a session of your Pathfinder game. But like, I've I've only ever seen Johnny and Monroe or the uh, you unmuted my friend. <laughs> so once in real life with Nick. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just, Just once in real life. Yep. Okay. Yep. I expected more from you guys. You live too close. You live too close to justify this low frequency of hangouts. <laughs> to be honest, I don't get up to Milwaukee all that. I yeah. did. Mm-hmm. I was chiding Nick the other day because he was like, yeah. I was in Chinatown in Chicago. And I'm like, dude, you literally drive past my house <laughs> in order to get to Chinatown. I don't know. You could have shot Justin. me a text. And I, you should impose, Nick. You should impose. Uh, I was going to say that it's hard for me because I go down to Ch- Chicago almost exclusively for Chinatown. And like when mm-hmm. I'm going down, I get like tunnel vision. I'm like, I'm going to Chinatown. This is going to be great. Of course. I get that Justin, my very good friend, lives over there. And I just... I live so close to Chinatown. Dude, I just went to this fantastic underground karaoke bar in Chicago's Chinatown called Sakura. And it was so fun. I must go to this place. (laughs) It was so fun. And in that moment, Stephen resolved that he would go. Yeah, um, I guess that question kind of goes hand in hand with um, Alyssa's question from Discord. She asked, how did you decide how many players you wanted to have for this game? Um, like, did we start with a longer list of possible players and far down? Or did we basically just go with the current cast members that we have? We eliminated about 11 cast members, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of bad blood. Uh, <laughs> we got auditions and everything. Also, I was the last person Danny asked out of our group. Everyone else just said they couldn't do it. So <laughs> no, he just ran out of other options. 
We've burned a lot. We've burned a lot of bridges <laughs> yes. in the tabletop role play. Actually, there's there's a that reminds me of a story I probably shouldn't tell, but I'm going to anyway. That Steve <laughs> told me and another friend of ours about the podcast at the same time, and uh, oh, my daughter's crying. Um, but he he told us at the same time, and then my other friend was like, our other friend was kind of interested, and Steve was like, oh, I was really just I really just meant Johnny. <laughs> Oh, oh no! That's so funny. Oh no! Oh, poor Joe. <laughs> he knows him by name. I hope Joe can. I hope Joe can make it onto a later iteration or show that yeah, we do or something. Maybe, but yeah. yeah. But there are many friends I have wishes for to include. So we'll see. I, I think um, the way I introduced Nick, or oh, I told. Justin about Nick was oh I have a friend who's really into RPGs and he's also Asian. <laughs> so, like, that's, that's just really so that's just the dinger right Whoa. there. Because like, <laughs> I mean not to not to talk about it too much, but like that was one of the stipulations I gave to Steve and Daniels. I was like I don't I don't want this to just be uh, a huge majority cast. Like I, I want mm-hmm. to have different voices and yes. especially with it being avatar like having a bunch of asian american voices was actually really important to me um mm-hmm. because of what the show meant to me as an asian american mm-hmm. so that was that was really important for me in that absolutely yeah so when i initially reached out to joe uh by accident <laughs> in the context of a conversation with johnny i tried to be clear about that but also it kind of works out because I'm sure he would not have been able to hang in with us through this entire season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, silver linings too, you know. Yeah, mine. It was. It was also a lot more intimidating than Danny makes it sound. You know, I, we, we just <laughs> finished a Pathfinder session, and I was like walking out to my car, and he'd like run up to me. It's like dark out. He's like, "Hey, give me your money. <laughs> Get a knife. You, you didn't know what to do. You want to like do like a live live play?" And I was like. What are you talking about, Dave? What are you what are you on about? It's like, oh yeah, my my brother in law, he wants to he wants to do he wants to play Avatar when it comes out. I was like, all right. And that was like the entire conversation. Yeah. I wanted to make it as difficult as possible for you to say no. I wanted to scare you into saying yes. I probably would have said yes anyways. But... All right, cool. I wanna ask, sure. ask Monroe. How did you feel when I initially pitched this to you? I thought it was just like something that was I, you know, I didn't know the, the, the simple question, Fair. the simple answer. Fair. I had no idea. Like I knew what, you know, tabletop role playing games were kind of like, and I knew a little bit of avatar, but I didn't know how you're going to do it as a podcast. And that's actually what intrigued me. So like, I don't think I've ever heard anything quite like that before. This might be, you know, kind of cool to be a part of. And I, and when we, when I started, I kind of realized there's a, a lot of podcasts that are like that. So I feel like I'm part of a new frontier. So I was interested because of that. And also because uh, Steve's my my cousin. So uh, he made my blood-related cousin. So like he, he asked for help. And of course, I'd be there to help him in any way I could. But I really like this. Good. You know what's yeah. the funniest thing when when Steve Steve said you're his cousin, and then when we met over that like call where we were like getting to know each other, all of us, you mentioned you're Filipino, and in my head I was like, Steve never told me that he has another <laughs> Filipino part of his family. That's such a weird coincidence. And then it wasn't literally until like many episodes later that you mentioned that you were like Olivia's cousin. I'm like, ah, 
Yes, that yes. makes sense now. That all makes sense. I realize, I realize I have to connect those two because when yeah. people see Steve, they're like, huh? And Your cousins, really? Yeah, and then yeah, I don't look Latino like either. So they're like, well, maybe, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. But, no, the truth is, Justin, I'm even whiter than you imagined. So. <laughs> and you could possibly comprehend. Me. That surprises me. <laughs> Um, moving into the like the realm of we talked about how we were asked and how we were approached um with the idea of this podcast um i know most of us have a background of playing rpgs but um for i'm pretty sure all of us it's our first time doing like an actual play a recorded actual play now um Alyssa asks on discord um do we feel like we play our characters differently knowing that um, we're being recorded for people to listen to. Um, is there any underlying pressure to play a certain way that any of us have? But I know in the beginning, I was definitely like, <laughs> like the nerves, man. I'm with Danny. In the beginning, it was very something I was self-aware of. But then um, once I started to get more into Liko's um, skin, I kind of felt mm. how she was. I'm sure the rest of you can relate in your own way. Um, it became a lot easier. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think for me, like, when I'm playing, when I'm just playing a game that's not like this, it's not being recorded, not going out to anybody. I'm only thinking about what's fun for me and my friends. Uh, but in a way I've never really done before with this, I'm constantly thinking about what decisions make for the best story, even if they weren't the decision I would have made in a private game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I echo that. Point, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was just going to add that I think there's an element of um, pushing my character more. Um, now, Ren is a character who pulls back a lot, and that's actually a challenge for me, because if you haven't been able to figure it out, I don't pull back a lot in real life. <laughs> um, and so I think but there's this aspect of like, what does it mean to stretch your character, to grow your character, to push your character into situations that are going to stretch and challenge them and you know, how to take risks story-wise and to add drama in real life? I don't find my way to conflict. I don't start stuff with people. And then I watch you guys do that in character and I'm like so stressed. I'm like, oh no, another teen fight. What are we going to do? <laughs> and then Ren's like trying to play the peacekeeper, which that's part of me is more natural. And I think uh, it fits well with his playbook. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think there's this aspect of because we know we're making a story that others will listen to. I think I try to think, What's a little bit pushy for Ren? What's going to make Ren grow, whether he likes it or not? I'd say the finale was probably more pressurable too, where I was more aware that there was an audience because we're under, we had we had things we had to hit, right? We had marks. Mm-hmm. So yeah. episodes like, like that where you have to hit a mark, almost. yeah, that's when I'm. Mm-hmm. I felt that I felt that like um, in the two Osa episodes, Murder uh, mm. Float, because. Like, well, we didn't have, like, specific marks that we were like, we need to hit these things before the season ends. I was constantly aware. I was like, how is how is the death of a character in a game where characters don't normally die? How is it going to hit? And I think we cut out... We cut out a lot, but I was like constantly checking in with Johnny, like for those entire two episodes. I was like, Johnny, are you like, are you sure you want to do this? He's like, absolutely. And I'm like, okay, all right, let's do it. I was hoping you would back out the whole time. 
<laughs> I, I honestly, like, I kept giving Johnny outs. Like, there were multiple outs for Johnny to take, and Johnny... I'm sure, I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but, yeah. 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 I, I think the one segue... Thing... Oh, sorry, what were you saying? Thank you, Fish. All right, um, I was just going to say, that's a great segue into an Instagram question we have. Someone asked, how much creative ownership do each of us have over our character and our character's fates? And I feel like Justin really touched on that. He was like, ultimately, I'm making this your choice, Johnny. But Johnny was like, this is great storytelling. This is just great narrative. I want this to happen. That's true. I feel tons of liberty from Justin Mm -hmm. on what to do with my character. Uh, I think we just try to have conversations to check in when we need to about how to honor the Avatar universe Mm -hmm. uh, and also how to tell our own story. And that's kind of a dance. It's a balance that we've had to figure out over time. And uh, But other than those parameters, I feel like there's really no restraints on who Ren is or who any of our characters are. Yeah, it means as much as it is possible, Justin has no, absolutely no hand in like what goes on with our characters except for just Mm -hmm. like presenting what happens to them. But that's not like Mm -hmm. who they are. I have a hand in as much as like I am constantly talking to like all of you individually asking like where is where is your character going like what stories do you want me to present and like start setting up for them to follow like that's the most I ever have is like you tell me where you want your character to go and we'll find a way to make that happen but still like <laughs> you're just you're just presenting the the, the situation it's the true situation. but I mean that's honestly that's the that I mean, we can get into GM advice, but like that is what the GM should be. He's not like dictating the story. He's just guiding and like setting up the parameters and the the bumpers, if you will, of your mm-hmm. uh, bowling lane, <laughs> so you don't go off the rails. Off the rails, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think that's one of the best experiences that you can have in in tabletop gaming or in RP- tabletop RPGs, I should say. Because there's this moment where you come to like an agreement with everybody in the table that we're all just like in this space. We're all these characters and everything just kind of flows. And I think we just have that, you know, we're just going into it. And there are times where we come out of it and, you know, and we, it's just natural. But like, I don't know, it just makes it really fun. And it, it makes it really mm-hmm. easy to be Che, to be in the space. It's good. Um, we talked about, Justin talked about, about like, you know, GMing advice, and we've been talking about, you know, just playing the game in general, um, pushing the narrative forward, which is a Avatar Legends, Macbeth Games, so it's a very heavy incentive. I feel like on that, um, with Avatar Legends, um, Takbo in Discord asks, um, what would be, if we could pick one tip to recommend to someone who's playing Avatar Legends for the first time, what that would be? I feel like Johnny would be great for this. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, it kind of depends on where you're coming from. Yeah, I was like if you're coming thing. from Pathfinder D and D, more dice heavy TTRPGs, like my advice would be learn how to not rely on the dice so much. In those games, the dice make way more decisions, and in this, you make decisions, and the dice kind of are just there, and and the dice factor in, but it's not nearly as important as the story that you're telling. Um, and if you're coming from a, a different background, like a no RPGs background or a different system that's maybe not as dice heavy, my advice would be just lean into the other players, lean into the story, and just tell the story that feels natural. 
Yeah. Like do whatever you want is my version of that. <laughs> um, and honestly, like the GM will, will rein you in if need be, but that's, you know, that's really only in so far as like, okay, this might help you. This might structure kind of how you think about your role here, but um, you can trust your GM. And if your GM is new to it, they'll figure it out with you. So that's really what it's about is collaborative mm -hmm. storytelling. So I'd say, tell the story you want to tell. And if that part's harder for you, then you can lean into the structure and you can look at mechanics and see what it inspires. Because sometimes it helps to have limits. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a completely blank slate and you can do anything, sometimes it's paralyzing for people. So look at your playbook and see what your character would maybe be afraid of or what they would want. Yeah, Magpie Games and, and Powered by the Apocalypse does a really good job of setting up your your playbook which is like their version of like a character class to like already have like built-in motivation and like story points to hit on so like steve said like just reading over your playbook should already like give you some ideas of like here's where i can go with the character as a gm my like one advice mainly because i came from playing pathfinder uh is but i think this works with um people who haven't played tabletop rolling games before too is for gms don't when you set up a problem don't set up the solution to the problem you should have the problem you should have the thing that they're going to encounter <laughs> that they're going to have to like solve so hard but you should never and you should never say like this is the way that they're going to solve this issue you can give them like here are some things around the area or here are some things about the situation that your character would notice that they might be able to use to solve the problem but you should never like force them to solve something in the way that you envision them solving yeah i think pursuant to that same idea for gms and players i would say like hold your ideas with an open hand as it were like there's going to be times where other players present ideas that are way better than whatever was in your head. Like there've been several times where like, like I expected uh, Che and Shoban's relationship. I know that's the second half, but I expected their relationship to be a lot different at first yeah. than it was. <laughs> but I think that the fiction that, that Nick set up for their relationship was a lot more interesting than the fiction that was in my head. Yeah. And so it was better to let go of the ideas that I had and just follow the, where Nick was leading. Yeah, I didn't even know that. But you had like an idea for that. <clears throat> That's super fun. I want to um, explore the first arc of the first season, um, calling it the Volcano Arc, um, when we first got together as a group and were presented so with this ago. problem. Um, but I also want want Mamron to be here for this. <laughs> okay, so inter intermittent break here. Uh, Listen, just asked, how often do we script stuff? Mm -hmm. Same question in the chat, which is a great question, and the answer is basically never. Um, if we're doing like a flashback, like at the start or end of an episode, usually Justin mm -hmm. or, or one of the other players will help contribute to that. Yeah, but basically never. I mean, like. Yeah. <clears throat> This is kind of second half, but you can see the the moment of balance moves are kind of like when we're given control of the narrative. And I, I can't answer for Johnny, but like I mentally prepared what that could be and what that would mm -hmm. look like beforehand, which is kind of scripting, but mm -hmm. that's like the closest. Everything else yeah. is just. Yeah, I mean, I, I had an idea for that, but again, similar to what I was just saying, <laughs> stuff happened and my idea went right out the window. It didn't make sense yeah. anymore. So I had to yeah. pivot. Pivot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I probably script stuff more than you all do, just because I have a lot more of those like 
establishing scenes. Um, I oh, yeah. I usually write those out. Um, so occasionally, occasionally I have just like a loose idea in my head and and run with it. But I think most of the time, uh, those establishing scenes I have like written and I'm reading. I think the two there was one scene um, that Danny wrote with me in the first half of the season and there was a scene that steve and i wrote together in the back half of the season um i think those are the only two like scripted player scenes i think i'd love to do more of those too like i like those are so fun for me to like be able to like have a window into like some of the background of your characters that we Mm -hmm. wouldn't normally be able to see uh, I, I love flashback stuff and I love like because it's your characters like I, I want to give you the freedom to be like well this is what happened in the flashback like you would know your character's history better than I would so mm-hmm. I know for me on um, the flashback of um I think it was the second episode like the one you were talking about of Rosak training with Dosa I personally love just like seeing um you guys the players like reaction to that after it happened and just like oh <laughs> yeah so that was really cool um speaking of dosa uh justin um regarding that were you planning um from the start to have him reemerge later in the season or was like was like the scene of his hand bursting from the rebel kind of improvised in the moment to give players uh, to give listeners something to look forward to later in the show um it was so one of the things i have struggled with avatar uh and reigning in all of you is avatar either has almost no death of their main villains or a very unclear death about what <laughs> happens to them. Mm-hmm. And so one of the jokes about tabletop role-playing games is that uh, like people play the quote unquote murder hobos. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, you just end up like walking around and, and killing everything that you come across. <laughs> uh, and you can you can feel the ways in which you all started to like lean into those <laughs> and i would have to find creative ways to like pull you all back to that um it's just my true aspiration in life, Justin. <laughs> yeah, you're just trying to take away who we are you know? it's true, <laughs> so i take it all back i really am like really strict about what you can and can't do during no um <laughs> <laughs> that one that one was interesting because i think i i think the volcano exploded as a result of a missed move and so oh, wow i think if i remember right i think it was a missed move um and i we hardly explored anything about who dosa was or like his relationship with rosic and i just didn't i didn't want to like have him show up one time and then be gone right like danny said like this is my childhood rival and i'm like well we can't just we can't just have him disappear after the second episode yeah. and so i was like well he's got to come back somehow and it's avatar so things don't have to be like super sciencey about like how he survived that like you know what i mean like it can be kind of fantasy-ish and, and fun and i don't know i i just i always had him in my back pocket and I honestly wasn't sure when he was going to show up. Um, and I think as as the scene developed at the Fortress of Ash, uh, I was it, 
in the back of my head, I was like, this would be a decent time to have him show up again. This feels like the climax of like the first part of the season, which it ended up being anyway. So to have like these foils of um, Osa and she and then uh, Rosic and Dosa were just was interesting to me to have that have those two battles happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of cool because I kind of um, I kind of made this incentive to kind of separate the group because I feel like we all, or at least you knew, I knew that Rosic, as soon as upon seeing Dosa, would probably be like, "I'm going for that. I'm going for that guy." Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. Give me a piece of that. <laughs> I I try as as well as I can to like not force you guys, but to present the battles in ways that like naturally split you up. Because otherwise, it's just like too bogged down um, to to handle like six people beating up on one person. And so, to split you up naturally like adds some tension and some story moments that are far more interesting. Mm. Um, going back to the volcano and um, the party's experiences in there, um, I had a little fun piece of trivia for you guys. Uh oh. Right, so okay. we the volcano and, and for anyone in, in the audience, mm-hmm. anyone in the audience mm-hmm. too, anyone in the chime audience, in. Oh, yeah. it, chime in. Yeah. So when we initially went to the volcano, um, Chainow had an idea to try to um, acquire some gear for the group. The question is, what specifically did we grab in the volcano? We talked about grabbing a number of things, but we didn't actually, we only actually grabbed um, certain items. So what were those? I was going to say money. Is it not money? Was that one of them? That's one of them. Oh, sorry. Should did I wait? Is there a timer? There's one more thing. Oh, okay. Fire flakes. I don't know. <laughs> So, I think the third one too. Justin, in preparation for this, I actually just listened. I think that we had talked about grabbing uh-huh. some blasting jelly and spark rocks for Che, as well as some uniforms. But Justin, you had a soldier interrupt us, saying That's that right. we were going to um, right. reignite the volcano. So we were only able to grab money. I think I, I think I gave you the choice. Yeah, I said mm-hmm. you've got time to grab two it. things. What do you grab? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what you did. Yep. Uh, and we grabbed a certain number of saddles. Can anyone remember the exact number of saddles? Nice. Oh, five. I, uh... Probably only got four. We grabbed five. We grabbed five oh, saddles. <laughs> Look at us. Be uh, able to count. Count. You know, if she had grabbed those ready. explosives, then I would have had enough explosives after dropping some onto my own. Probably. Body. Yeah. Um. For those of you who answered correctly, you get virtual high fives. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, I hope that didn't hit anybody. Yeah. <laughs> out of the way. Yeah, nice job, Alyssa, in the chat. Yeah. <clears throat> I forgot about the saddles completely. I just all three. <laughs> in my mind, Rue just had eternal saddles. <laughs> I'm sorry, Rue. You are a wild and free creature, and you do not need saddles. <laughs> yeah. So, like, well, that's more going into part two. But I was gonna say, so I wonder how um psycho was psycho and we were just riding riding Rue saddleless, just barebacking really riding her. Yeah. Um. So, um, moving to the Wanya arc. Um, after the volcano, when we had um finished with that, you know, those things happening. Um, Wanya village was really interesting for me. Um, because it was really the first time we were able to have like prolonged dialogue with some of the NPCs that mm-hmm. Justin created and explore the um, personalities that he uh, made for them. 
um what were some of your guys's favorite interactions with these early npcs as they're in i mean for me playing osa like toko easily mm-hmm. rises to the top y'all had some really good moments in conversation and i was feeling it i was feeling the wisdom from justin's portrayal <laughs> of toko and it was just i thought that was really well done yeah casa was like yeah like i immediately wanted to take care of her and then it just yeah. also worked out that jay would also just really like her so i was just like yes perfect mm-hmm. that was magic because i feel like we really did see both of you through those interactions with them yeah mm-hmm. i was like oh che is like showing these colors of like relating to this girl who's just stealing all our stuff <laughs> she's like oh i totally get it i'm all business too <laughs> i'm kind of ruthless i was like oh i get this now i get this yeah, okay yeah. yeah i'm gonna have a follow-up question about your perception that um <laughs> That kind of um, goes hand in hand with a question Alyssa had. Um, she was she asked about um, if we ever feel compl- conflicted about making our character say or do something that we, as a player, like in real life, um, would never do. Like, is there like a balance between reacting as your character or as yourself? But that's really interesting, Nick, because you were like, hey, it just so happened that, you know, both me and the character felt the same way about this. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it wasn't that... It wasn't that uncommon for me not to feel the same, like at least similarly about, and everybody can have different answers about this, but like, Jay pretty much operated on a level that I would. It's just that it was, it's a version of me that didn't learn that you should shut your mouth every once in a while. <laughs> like maybe just occasionally not say what exactly comes to your mind. I love that. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that, you know, he's just a little, he's just a little version of me. And uh, yeah. so it makes them extremely easy to play. It's it's kind of something I've used to cheat with my characters before. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm interested in what everybody else has to say about it. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I feel like I had more in common with Osa than with Shoban. But I think like the harder thing that like, it wasn't super hard to have my characters make decisions that I wouldn't make. But I think the harder thing was not letting myself slip in occasionally and making sure that my characters made the decisions they would make and not the decisions I would make. Yeah, sorry. I there is an exception to that. Every time you didn't <laughs> just just fight Nazao, that was me like that was you pulling back. <laughs> that was me pulling back and letting Che be the character cuz I was like yeah. this guy is despicable. <laughs> Every time I saw him. Uh, I felt conflicted in the first half of the first season honestly with how much ren would be hands off and part of that was me trying to lean into the realism of these are still newly established relationships and it really wasn't until the foggy swamp when liko and ren went into the spirit house together that i felt like okay this is a moment where ren for sure is gonna lean in and take a risk for somebody else in the group before that i think it was more spectatory to be honest it was like okay what are my options you know are these people that i can hang with for the long term for now it's working and those bonds were beginning to form as we kind of saw moments to take care of each other look out for each other um so i think by the time we got that far into the swamp Ren was ready, and that felt more okay for me as Steve. Mm. I was like, yes, 
we can do something that feels like a friendship moment. But before that, it was hard. It was hard for me um, to be what felt to me like cold. I don't know if that came through to you guys, if Ren was like aloof, but that was part of the characterization at least. Yeah, I was going to say, I know that was one of like, you started off saying that one of his like personality traits was like distant and aloof. And I feel like, I feel like you played that well for the right amount of time. Like if he had been aloof all season, it would have been like, dude, come on, just like get in line. Yeah. Like, why are you here? What the heck? <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Cause like, I remember that now that you say it, but I feel like by the end of the season, Ren was really the heart of the group. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I also, I think it's interesting cause I had t- trouble noticing it. Cause at the beginning there, Jay was also in a mindset, not, not necessarily like a, like watching these people just like how can i use these people like how can i what can i get out of these people and these relationships to like help myself uh or, and get what i want so he didn't notice that you were being because <laughs> he was he wasn't getting emotionally attached either but yeah that changed i just got so touched though by johnny's comments <laughs> the arc of this whole thing yep. um but i don't know if you remember this meg but by the time we have that episode after the spooky house when everyone's taken care of and you ask ren to tell the story at the campfire like by that time like ren had already significantly trusted che um and I, I would have to go back and be like carefully comb through like what it was that indicated like Ren's going to latch on to Che a bit here. But before I went into the spooky house, uh, Ren gave you the white cloth, the ribbon, mm-hmm. yeah, without explaining its significance at all. It's just like if I don't come back, so you were doing something right besides just using us. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe well, you just the, played me. Maybe you just yeah. No, I don't. I will get into it, but that's not enough. <laughs> Cool. cool. I think mostly Che played himself. Guys, that's a good point, Steve. Like, we at that point didn't realize how meaningful that was for Ren. That was like a really important moment for him. Not only just like connecting with someone, but like what that ribbon means for Ren. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really. I mean, even Liko doesn't know still. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure at some point between season one and season two, he'll. Where were you, Ro? Yeah, Come on. <laughs> Did you ever explain the significance of the the tie specifically? Actually, no. That's a good point. So Chase still doesn't know what it was I, about. It's, 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 like, yeah, it's like hinted at, I guess. It's yeah, on the yeah. boat, he did say that's why I wear this, but he didn't necessarily oh. say what it means yeah. per se. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we'll, we'll explore it more. Uh, yeah, it gives me some ideas for season two. GM's taking notes. Watch out, everybody. <laughs> what about you, Rowan, Danny? Um, so for Rozak, um, kind of like what Justin was saying in the beginning um, of the season, he could get some kind of like inkling of like you know murder hoboness rising to the surface. And I remember specifically like thinking about Avatar Legends, um, as a game and just the um, you know, ATLA in general on. Um, like the avatar like franchise i guess i was like oh we do want to kind of keep this more like in the realm of avatar so i wanted to make a character who had never killed anyone had never even thought about like killing anyone and so i I was trying to play that out which is because honestly you know i play a lot of pathfinder like i play DD and i I love this you know playing like this roguish character he's like an assassin and you know and like like, he plays the the textbook definition of a murder hobo 
like if you looked it up it would be a picture of his I love character. it I'm here for it <laughs> it'd be a picture of my character just on there but, so when you when you stepped into this character that's a shift like oh yeah oh yeah well yeah what about you bro uh I need you to repeat the question I think I came in a little late okay yeah so the question um, that Alyssa asked on Discord was, do you, first of all, was do you ever feel conflicted about making your character say or do something that you would never do in real life? Like, um, basically, how do you balance between acting as yourself and acting as your, and reacting as a character? First half of the season. Yeah. I'm first half. <laughs> I, I feel like I have to, I have to <laughs> yeah. clarify pre, that. Because uh, pre, pre, season. Pre-Dark Lego. <laughs> yeah. But like, um, we did get hints of it in the first half, for sure. Oh well, yeah, because mm-hmm. she wouldn't have just turned dark mm-hmm. then. Which I want to touch on out of nowhere. Well. Yeah. Um, was it ever hard for me to to separate myself from the characters? Yeah, that's a way. Yeah. That's that's a question. Uh, sometimes. Uh, I I come from a very different background than the rest of these guys here because I don't really have that much experience mm-hmm. with the tabletop role playing games. This is actually I would consider this my very first one because I did. Uh, I did Dungeons and Dragons for like one night. I didn't even finish the campaign. So I don't consider that an actual game. This is the first time I've actually finished a campaign. So this is my first time. Mm. Um, From an acting standpoint, I feel like personally, maybe some people say this is a bad thing depending on who you talk to. But I like usually put a little bit of myself in the characters anyway, just so that way I can relate to them a little bit more Mm -hmm. because if I can relate to them, then possibly someone else can. And I learned very early on that mm-hmm. although this is a game, this is also very story-based. And the narrative is very important to make these characters feel real and keep the audience coming for more. So it wasn't necessarily hard the first half. It was hard the second. But we're not there yet. Mm. <laughs> I heard some... Uh... I don't remember where I read it, but some advice to people on like making a character in tabletop role-playing games. And one of the, the there were two things. It was uh, put something of yourself in the character. Like think about the character and think about what you have in common with this character, and then think about the character and think about what you don't have in common with this character. And nine times out of ten, that's going to give you an interesting character to play. Yeah. I mean, it's, you also have to, it's a fine line because you don't want to be playing yourself. You want to be playing the character. Yeah. So it's a definite fine line. But I do like to add little pieces of myself in there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I have a question for Justin uh, that I think is related to some of what we've already talked about. But were there any NPCs that we didn't connect to, like that we as a cast kind of shunned that you expected us to connect with and vice versa were there any that we connected with that you expected us to not want anything to do with hmm. oh, that's so good that is a good question um avatar is fun like if you watch the show avatar there are so many like one-off care like npc characters basically that show up for a scene give the heroes what they want say a joke or two and then you never see them again so like I I do and I love that so I try to bring some of that energy into a lot of NPCs where like you're never going to see this person again and I don't I don't care that you're never going to see them again like um I 
trying to think in the first half of the season. Uh, you know what's interesting? I actually didn't expect you to connect with Boomy so much. This kind of leads into the second half of the season. But I I envisioned Boomy as being like, a, he's just an Umashu. You save him. That's it. Um Boomy for life. Boomy is is great. And so like that was fun though. It was fun to like see you guys connect with him and be like, well, Boomy should definitely show up again because you guys are enjoying hanging out with him. Like there was a a long stretch that you were with Boomy in in the first half of the season. Like, I don't know, four four or five episodes like straight that he was in every episode. And I don't think any NPC has been in that many like consecutive episodes Um, because you guys are usually in different places. So like there might be an NPC that's in it for a couple episodes, but, and then, you know, he shows up again in the, in the second season or second half of the season. Um, yeah, he was the closest thing to you just playing a character with the party, Justin. Yeah, yeah, which was fun. <laughs> and I think that's also how we like got into the like constantly forgetting Boomy joke as well, too, <laughs> because like I hate playing like the the quote unquote GM PC. Like it is so frustrating to me. Like I don't wanna like give you the answers. I want you guys to figure it out. So like I in my head I forget that Boomy's there too. And then someone <laughs> will say something and then it triggers something in my head and I'm like, oh yeah, Boomy would probably say something about that or do something about that. Um and then the opposite, a character that you what was the opposite is a character that I did expect you that you did yeah, that you thought we'd connect with and then we didn't really or... want to keep talking to them or, or do things with them um I when it came up I thought Connie might be in the in the first season a little bit more than she was hmm. um ah. I did not expect Monroe to have Liko like shun her as much as she did um which i was here for like it was it was a great moment um and i'm like it, it made perfect sense with with what was happening but i i had expected her to like be a bit more of like a mentor figure for all of you wow um at least in my head um and i hadn't like planned out a ton of that but yeah yeah it was so that was interesting to do yeah, Kanu could have been a mentor. Yeah. We got our wisdom figures for sure across oh, yeah. the season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how I felt about Iron, to be honest. And I mm. kind of wanted to ask this as well of you as a GM, Justin. Yeah. To what extent did we influence your decision to keep making Iron a big deal? Because I feel like at the beginning, Iron was 100% the humble mayor who just, you know, had some troubles. Yeah. And he was getting beat up by the local bully. <laughs> And then you totally turn the tables on us over the course of, I don't know, five episodes or something. So I, uh, if you listen back to that episode, um, I think I say something to the effect of like, he has a conversation with Liko about like recognizing, uh, Liko, um, because he was with her parents and she looks just like her parents. So like I had always like, Iron had always been someone who was connected to Liko without Liko knowing it. And I'm trying to remember, I I don't know if I had quite gone down the whole like he's gonna betray them. 
he actually wants something. I think it was maybe like an episode or two into it that I was like, oh, that would be an interesting turn if like he's he's actually playing these people and he like he thinks that they can get him what he wants. And I think at that point you had already treated him so much like the bumbling mare that I was like, well, that's just the role he plays. He plays the bumbling mare and then that's how he can get what he wants because he convinces people to do things because they don't think he's a threat at all. And so I, I kept I kept playing that up uh, for the rest of the few episodes. And that, that was one of my favorite moments as a GM. Uh, that was a great, that was a great episode. I think we were all pretty mad at the end of that episode. We were like, yeah, you were. <laughs> We've been had. Yep. I was angry, but Che was pissed. <laughs> che hasn't been angry in his entire life. And I like that, that for me, like I kept trying to do that balance of like, like when Rose said, like it shouldn't come out of nowhere. Like, and I think if you listen back to it and you listen to like some of the things he says in the conversations he has with you, it's like, oh yeah, he was definitely playing them for sure. From the moment he met them, he'd been playing them. Well, I think that's why um, like yeah. I was angry and like, yeah. cause, you, cause it just makes some happens and you're like, that was, it was right there. The writing was on the wall. Yeah. Why I... And I know, like, as I was internally smiling every time you would have a conversation about him, because you had this conversation multiple times since meeting him, you're like, do we trust him? And every time, like, someone would be like, I don't trust him. And you as a group would still, like, talk to him and trust him. I'm like, yes, yes, keep talking to him. <laughs> um, I feel like that's a really good segue. I'm uh, Danny is having some internet trouble, so I'm just appointing myself moderator while he's not here. Um, but Thanks, Johnny. Uh, that, that, I think that's a good segue into a question that Fakbo asked, uh, which is, what is what did one of the cast members, including Justin, do that generally surprised you in the first half of the season? So I think that's open to anybody. We'll take Iron off the table because we just talked about him a bunch. But so Justin or any of the players? Yeah. So what's let's each of us can say something that somebody else did that was surprising to us. Monroe, when when you had Liko choke out the uh, crocodile, I was like, oh, wow, we're going there. Okay. Uh, I just hadn't expected that energy from Liko yet. And I for sure, like, had this idea of you, especially in the Foggy Swamp, like, oh, you're connecting to your sacred space. These are your mm. your roots. You love nature. And then you're like, I'm going to choke out this piece of nature. So uh, I think that was a good moment. Exactly. I was like, oh, you're changing my paradigm right now. <laughs> so I think that was a cool moment for you, Liko. Well, what were you surprised by? John? For me, I think the, the most surprising moment in that half of the season was was Ren's willingness to give up his face for Liko. Yeah, I was like, I, I really didn't see yeah. that decision coming. Um, I think mask has to come off, Johnny. <laughs> no, I think I think that was one of the more powerful moments in that that part of the season, and I mm -hmm. think that was like when we first really got to see who Ren really is. Mm -hmm. um, but it was I was not expecting it. That is a very interesting choice of words uh, because I think part of what was going on with Ren is that Ren did not feel like somebody, mm -hmm. so it was like okay. You know, I don't know who I am. So if I lose my face, my identity, so to speak, is that really such a big loss? Hmm. 
And by that time, I think Liko had already been establishing herself as like a moral force in the group. And like, to some extent, like, yeah, the leader that we looked to for directives and stuff. Um, so for Ren at that moment, it's just kind of instinct. Yeah. That's so interesting. But I'm glad that it hit you. (laughs) I was going to say that too. That was, that is still one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. Um, mostly because I I knew we needed I needed to get the like tone of that episode right. So like I that is probably one of the episodes I put the most prep work into, um, just to make sure like I was hitting that like spooky atmosphere and the tone. But like to the point of like me not having solutions, like I had no like this is how they solve this spirit problem. It was very much like. Mm. Monroe's village has lost their faces. You know who took their faces. What are you gonna do next? And so, like when Ren was like, "I'm gonna give up my face," I was like, "That is that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant." Yeah, and I was. I'm, I'm just remembering now. I was out of town when you guys recorded that episode, so mm-hmm. I didn't get to hear it until it came yeah. out because I was at Disney World with my family, and I got to like experience yeah. that as a listener. So yeah. Fun. I felt so scared that whole scene. <laughs> I was also terrified. I wasn't even in the scene. Denny and I were like holding on to each other. Uh, Alyssa just asked in the chat in live, would I have taken his face? I 100% would have taken his face. I was, you can as, as soon as Steve offered that up, I was like, if he misses on this role, I am 100% taking he just rolled face. Well. And he rolled well. So I'm like, all right. Let's go with it. But it's a good I was time to yep. roll well. <laughs> there was in, internally as the GM, I was like, "What is the rest of this going to look like if Ren does not?" Well, it would have entirely changed the the entire season. Yeah, because you probably would have wanted to respond to that and find some way to get Ren's face back, and it would have yeah. been way different than it would have been. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um. We had a question from Caleb also in the chat a little bit ago. Uh, what did you have to re-record? Have we re-recorded anything? We've re-recorded very little. I mean, there have been a couple yeah. of things where like one or another of us will be like, I don't like what I just said, or I don't think that that was like really in character or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's been few and far between. Yeah. Um, maybe a couple of things too where we're like, let's re-record that so we don't need the content warning or, or things like that yeah, but yeah not like we haven't re-recorded anything in post it's always been like on the spot while we're recording like let's rewind three minutes and take it from that point and it's I, like to preface that i don't think it's normally like i didn't like how that turned out let me like say that again it's more like i slipped up or there was like a continuity error that we had a group had to be like, oh, well, actually, we established a few episodes ago that this happened, or in the Avatar yeah. universe. So, like, we don't, um, yeah. we don't change the story. Like, mm-hmm. what you hear in an episode is what is being recorded. Yeah, yeah, it's what happens organically. Yeah, yeah. like what you were saying. Like, like we'll go back and be like, I feel like I could articulate what I just said better. Can we just? go back and like and i mean to be honest there have been a lot of times probably the thing that happens more often is one of us says can we go back and re-record that and we're just like no let's just keep moving yeah it sounded fine mm, yeah <laughs> good point touche <laughs> yeah i was about to say nick is usually the one that's I like, wasn't gonna i don't call like anybody else <laughs> <laughs> 
We all struggle with insecurity periodically. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we explored the foggy swamp. We explored Wanya and the foggy swamp. Um, I don't know if there's a lot to talk about. Um, the uh, the revisiting of Wanya, the um, sort of like I guess the rescue of it when we went back there um, to the now I guess Fire Nation occupied village. Um, Osa had a really cool moment with his um. That's when you did the um the air, air scooter. Air scooter. Yeah, 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 the air scooter. Yeah, for the first time. Yeah, so that was really cool. Is now yeah. a good time to ask what everyone's favorite episode title was? <laughs> In the first half. Why not? From the yeah. first half? That's yeah. a little From the first half. Yeah. Second half oh, is yeah. a very easy answer for me. <laughs> oh, come on. While you're looking, very I'll tell nice. you. While, while you're looking, I'll tell you the reason why I'm asking now is because uh, that episode, when you go back to uh, one, one of my favorites, because I remember Danny was over and I was editing that episode. And I'm like, Danny, I don't know what to call this episode. And so I was just like <laughs> riffing a bunch of jokes off of Danny. And Danny's like, no, no, no. And then I was like, at the end of my barrel of jokes, and then I just randomly was like, Air Scooter, I hardly know her. And Danny <laughs> laughed, and I was like, that's it. That's the, that's the episode title. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, you took that one right out of my mouth. That probably is my favorite title from that section. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah, lot uh, of good ones. There's Oh, the Irony. I, the oh, the Irony. Yeah. This is my favorite, 100%. Uh, yeah, I think uh, mine's, mine's probably, which is funny because it's like the... Osa's kind of ultimate episode, but uh, the murder she floats, which is just because, like, Justin doesn't know this from when he named that episode, but I used to spend my summers, like, my summer vacations just watching reruns of murder she wrote, just like okay. um, a loop, like, all the time. So it was really a fun little connection for me. That is fun. I did not know that. It just it gave me a double pun, so I had to take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just lost Ro. Maybe we'll get her back for her answer. But yeah, yeah. Alyssa just, just wrote, if the Omashu fits is a cute one. I do yeah, like that. Very good one. Very good one. I got to say, there are still some that I didn't look up and I have no idea what they refer to at all. Like what? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I had to look up. Well, this is later, I think, the, the Gen, Gen K Ultra one. Oh, I think that was in conversation oh, yeah. with y'all that I was like illuminated, you know, on what that was. But here for the, uh, for the first half of season one, I think I was confused by. Let's zip over there. Ro, who's on first? It's supposed, <laughs> it's supposed to be who's on first? Yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be the classic Evan Costello bit. Literally, it took me until about five days ago. <laughs> I just like, I don't know. This one's different. It's just different. That one yeah. was, I, in your defense, one of my weakest choices for an episode title for sure. Oh, I, I love. I think it. it's. It. I think it's hilarious, but uh, the the broad appeal of that episode is uh, is lost <laughs> on on some people. I admit. Yeah, yeah. Teeny has no idea what's happening. Monroe, now that we have you back, <laughs> um, did you have a favorite episode title from early on? I can't remember that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember that. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Is this a good time for that second trivia question? We had one, I think it was about episode titles. Yeah. So the next trivia question is, um, oh, it's a dinger. It's, um, outside (laughs) of the fiction. This trivia question is based in reality, folks. Um, for those of you who don't know, 
episode one of the Flying Bison podcast, the cold truth was not always called that. <clears throat> its name was changed at some point. Now, the question is, what was its original name? Let's like wait if we know it and give people like 10 seconds in the chat. Uh, this is we're playing by Jeopardy rules. So. <laughs> you have to answer what is? Uh, it would be uh, this episode title used to be called what? <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> answer the question, folks. I'm still having trouble getting the wording right in my head. <laughs> I think I got it. I think the fans are just as confused as we are. Caleb's riffing right now. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I think I can go ahead and call it. All right. Does anybody know? Yes. I have no idea. No, I remember because I wrote it. <laughs> Danny, do you even remember? Is that in your notes? Well, Dustin told me. You have me. to know, right? For the Dustin, trivia answer. I, I have to know. Give it to us, Danny. The answer is coal dust shavings. So Justin moved from that to a more punny title. Because it was really good choice. It wasn't until the next episode, I think, that we started making like funnier titles. Yeah. <laughs> so when it came to like the the title of the first episode. It was like that was literally the first episode we released. And so I was like struggling to figure out <laughs> what to name it. And so I just named it that. And then, yeah. I'm just, I'm just cracking up right now because Johnny is losing it because he watched Monroe apparate. I know. I, just I'm, straight up I know. Disappeared. <laughs> there, was, there was no in between frame at all. No. She's back. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. <laughs> When did you learn to do that, Monroe? <laughs> Skills. You can do magic the whole time. <laughs> you had teleportation or invisibility this entire <laughs> The internet is out to get us tonight, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. When is glad to Yeah, we're having trouble hearing you, Ro. Sorry. Yeah. Well, while you're figuring that out, Alyssa just said in the chat that the Amashu episodes are definitely some of um, their favorites. Um, let's talk about that a bit. Um, the Omashu arc. So we had left Foggy Swamp, Kalania Village, and, I, and we did take Toko and Kasa to Omashu, so we threw them in well, the house. Yeah, you know, the Fire here. Nation came and <laughs> yeah, and we yeah. had to like. Also, we lost Rohu. I know we left behind a very yeah. important yeah. figure. <laughs> fully lost Rohu. No, he was wasn't even there anymore. again. Was never. Yeah, he was gone when we arrived. We fully lost him. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he was completely gone. You're right. Uh, uh, yeah. He's not lost in my head. I know exactly where he is. Yes, we know. Ah! Right? He's in your back pocket. Exactly. And Justin keeps well, saying that, and I don't think he actually has a plan for Rohu. I think he's just trying to scare us. Okay. Why well, are you okay Johnny? <laughs> okay. Well, enough, yeah, the, the Omashu arc held some of the best interactions, some of the coolest events. Um, and speaking of Justin having plans, that's when you introduced the mysterious voice of Yes, good. Yes. yes. Did, you, did you even know who that was going to be? And did you have a plan all along? <laughs> I. Um, good question. Uh, yes and no. Because, so like, as I mentioned, like, I chat with you guys all the time, like, individually, like, where do you think the character's going? And I think it was around the foggy swamp when Monroe texted me and I was like, hey, what if Liko, like, is more of, like, an anti-hero for this season? And I was like, 
love that idea. That's a great idea. Love to explore that. And so like when the whole like Iron stuff happened, um, that was actually one of the reasons why I leaned a lot more into the Iron stuff because I thought it would um, start to pushly go in that direction. So like I... I mean, this gets a little bit into the second season. I I didn't know who that was speaking. Um, I knew that it was an associate of Iron, and that was all I knew mm. at that point. That's that's really cool. That really just goes to show how he can start to write a really good aspect of a story while it's still like cooking in your head. Yeah, you know, and you can reveal it while you don't even have it finalized. It kind of goes back to you saying. Like when you were talking about how like you create a problem, don't come up with an answer, and the players figure that out. Like, oh, I'll yeah. create this mysterious figure, but depending on where the story goes, the result of who this is might change, and it might be cool to see how yeah. that turns out. Um, what were some of your guys' favorite um, things, interactions, or events that we had while the party was in um, Omashu? Okay. All day. Um, well, Che, Che specifically dealing with Madame Gao. <laughs> yeah. I thought those were some really good dialogue moments where Che shined, and we got to see the quick wittedness and the like negotiation. Like this is a child talking to an adult, and like real things are happening. <laughs> so I thought yeah. some of the. Uh, I mean, just being a member of the party and spectating. Um, because Ren was already out of room for those scenes. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I was hanging on every word. So loved what you did there, Nick. Yeah. I would love to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I was just going to say my a couple of my favorite moments in all of that season really are in that arc when we have the, uh, like all of the guys getting in drag montage and uh and then like all the stuff that happened at the at the bathhouse as well with um i think that conversation with che and madam gao but also with um ren and getting to see a little bit more behind the curtain of like some of his experience and what was going on with him as well yeah Mm -hmm. so this is where i have a question actually in this arc Given, you know, that reveal of that character interaction, uh, where did you guys think Che was at on, like, sides? It becomes answered pretty much immediately in the next arc. But, like, how did you guys feel about it? And how did your characters feel about it? Because I'm very curious. Well, it's like, it's answered to to the player and to the listener. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you as a listener, I'm like, ah, I, I know that Che's playing uh, Madame Gal. But the characters don't know that. And... Mm-hmm. It was also like I feel like just enough ambiguous that it still left the question on the table, like where is Che's allegiance? Yeah, mm-hmm. I so think exactly as a player, I, I think as a player, I saw that and I I made the assumption that Che was playing Madame Gao. But then, not too long after that, there were some decisions that Che made where I was like, oh, maybe he wasn't playing Madame Gao. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe we're traveling with the enemy. Mm-hmm. I mean that that definitely is what started some of Rosak's like when he started to kind of distrust Che. Like he had that sort of conflicting thought, like, oh, this is my brother, but have completely different motives than what we have. Like, what's going on here? And so that was really cool and interesting in terms of character development. Knowing what Ren knew, I think, which is very little, um, of some of these side conversations, like with Madame Gao. I think Ren trusted Che implicitly and didn't really have evidence not to. Um, but as a player witnessing everything, I was like, 
suspicious that Che would do things that had his friend's interests at heart, but that would betray communicated plans. Like you would, you would for sure do us a solid, but not in the way we asked for, or you would like make a promise and fulfill it in a way we didn't ask for. Like I was expecting kind of that sort of energy of like, no, 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 I'm still, I'm still for you. I am your friend. I just also have other stuff going on that I can't tell you about. And it might sting <laughs> when I get stuff done. It's kind of what I was waiting for. And there were moments like that a little bit where I felt like, okay, I wish that we knew about this earlier, Jay. You know, your whole Project Spark deal, but oh well. <laughs> He's doing his best. Like, I show up on day one, and it's like, I'm a Kyoshi warrior. Look at my Kyoshi garb. And Jay's like, cool. I have no past and no secrets. <laughs> you can trust me implicitly. It's not, it's not a good RPG game if every player doesn't have any secrets, you know? That's true. I know. That's true. I, know. I think, Nick, you mentioned, like, early on, like, Che was sort of using everybody else and wasn't necessarily, like... I think, like, that's that was the point where Osa was starting to feel used by Che. And even, I don't know if if that was still where you felt like Che was at at that point. But I think that at that point, Osa was starting to feel like maybe this guy is not really like in it for all of us. Mm, that's super interesting because he, he was not there. So it was starting it was starting to dawn on him how much he cared about all of these idiots, right? <laughs> and uh, I think waltzing waltzing into the the Fire Nation base, the Fortress of Ash. Mm. was like that was like all right i just got it this is it this is what i'm doing mm. <laughs> i'm in it but then obviously there was no resolution there because that we finished the fortress of ash there's no more osa interaction dude the planning yeah. for the infiltration of the fortress of ash both hilarious um on air and off air <laughs> oh my gosh we thought so hard i don't think it ended up really going how any of us had planned not even close <laughs> <laughs> It was so Most funny too, because well, Justin, I could just feel you being like, just do something. Just I know. <laughs> well, because like, so like, uh, that's one of the things I like about by the apocalypse is like in Pathfinder, I would feel the need to like make you go through the entire map to get to the the prison, right? But like in this, it's like just tell me what your plan is to get in. Let's have the initial interaction of you getting into the base, and then we can cut to you like walking it. You know what I mean? Like we don't have to follow you the entire time. Like, let's yeah. cut to the action, please. But you snuck in the cart guy. The cart guy? <laughs> <laughs> that, I think that might be one of my favorite NPCs uh, that doesn't have a name that has one of the best jokes, I think. In the <laughs> You're the third people to tell me their friends got stolen today. <laughs> That is one of the. You're, I'm so glad you brought that up. I had forgotten that NPC, and he is easily top three funny NPCs. Hilarious, mm, very funny. <laughs> we, so, remind me because I'm not sure now because Alyssa said we didn't use it. We did use the cart, right? Like we brought Osa nope. in on the cart. Nope, no, no, we did not use no, the cart. No, we did not we just completely use the cart didn't at use all. Yep. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> we paid Chase hard to stolen cash for that. I know. <laughs> Yeah, that's you got all the way like you were like at the front and you're like the cart's not gonna work ditch the cart <laughs> oh i don't know if it, i don't know if it's been picked up by the viewers but or any of you 
But whenever Jay isn't sure about a plan or like what to do, because he's like the plan guy, he does just turn to Rosic and be like, what do you think we should do? <laughs> and whatever Rosic says, Shay will do at that point. Because <laughs> it always works. So, it yeah. literally <laughs> always works. <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that, that also... Um, that Fortress of Ash was also when basically the first hard i guess character or party split happened um yeah ren and Liko were separated from osa che and rozak so and i know i mean it's like a it's the rpg golden rule don't split the party never split the party but the thing i feel like with avatar legends and as such a narrative focused podcast or podcast rpg um sometimes fiction leads in that direction which is very interesting and it, i guess um this format the system that we're playing does cater to that and make it a bit easier to play in a fiction where the party is split but well in i feel that like oh sorry oh so no you're good in combat focused games combat mechanics like they're designed to have the whole party there so yeah. splitting it literally is like a potential death sentence in those kinds yeah. of games but here it's not necessarily a you know a possibility i think to you yeah. like Especially in a system that emphasizes like interpersonal drama, like one of the main things is like how you as a group are interacting with each other. Like splitting the party almost becomes necessary because it gives you guys moments to interact in groups that you wouldn't normally be able to interact if the whole group is there. Like mm-hmm. we get osa and the launcher is trying to come up with a plan we get like steve we get ren and liko um and boomy trying to like be strong and courageous in the midst of this like terrible thing that's happening to them like things that we wouldn't get if all six of you were there or you know Mm. so yeah i gotta say I, i haven't fully appreciated the importance of that party split um first of all that's where ren got the idea for darts yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where like seeing seeing Boomy like poisoned and out cold and being like, Oh my goodness, they took out Boomy. Like, what an idea, you know, for someone who's struggling with a sense of powerlessness. Um, that like even a powerful bender like Boomy might be able to, you know, yeah, be taken out of commission. In the world. Yeah. Perhaps. Perhaps, huh? So. <laughs> come on, come on. Hey, chain out launchers <laughs> in the room. Hey, you know. Um but also, I gotta say, uh, for Monroe, uh, it was actually my intention to have Ren test the waters with Liko when they were alone in that cell and start talking about being intersex. That was actually where I initially wanted Ren to test that by kind of being like, you know, we're, we're locked up. This looks really bad. You know, this might be a natural time to talk about our lack of future aspirations since we're not going to make it out of here. Oh, um, I didn't know that. And, uh, and so like one thing I was going to test was possibly like, I was thinking through some things that Ren might say about not having kids, um, ever. Um, and then kind of later circling back with Liko to be like, well, it's actually because I can't in my particular case. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, immediately we had an interaction with the big bad and, uh, and we were pushed into some difficult stuff. And so those conversations just didn't happen. And that's how it goes. So interesting. That's very interesting. That one's interesting to me too, because the Fortress of Ash 
not entirely, but a lot of it was actually kind of made up on the spot because Ren was trying to trick the bathhouse attendant, mm. and it went horribly wrong. It went horribly wrong, and that was that one was fun too. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes like one of the one of the GM moves is turn a move back on the player, right? And I often have trouble in the fiction trying to think of what that would look like. But that one was the one moment I was like, oh, she's tricking him right back. 100% tricking him right back. And so, like, I, when we got to Omashu, I kind of had felt that, like, mid-season climax was coming. And so I was like, I think, I think she should show up at some point. But I didn't really have, like, a place to have that and then i was like oh maybe there's like a staging site or something and then the trick i was like 100 percent, that's where they're gonna get taken <laughs> you think who should show up you said she should show up but you never said her name oh um sorry uh she she should show up she who she yeah she should yeah, she should show up it's just a nice callback you know it was a clever idea <laughs> yeah. for her name. we never even really got to do it much <laughs> I know. like I the know. actual did, we did picked it. We thought it was so like, funny. Did anyone say like she's here and like during the actual confrontation? I we might have. <laughs> that was that was um, and I think by that was so interesting to me as a player. Like by putting it there in the fortress of ash, like on this mm. precarious mountain. I I knew because Johnny had like basically explicit, explicitly said to me, but I feel like had implicitly been hinting. Maybe you can disagree with this but like i feel like basically in character and out of character you were like if osa sees she he is taking her out at all costs yeah yeah i mean when we were doing character creation and we had talked about she being kind of the at, at the time the big bad and everything yeah i remember having a conversation with you because i mean given the nature of avatar legends in the hammer playbook you choose a, a rival i don't remember. i think that's how they phrase it but yeah. you choose someone that's like your target and the target of your wrath, as it were, and you choose what you're trying to do to them, and you like you're trying to like depose them, or there's all discredit these options, yeah. discredit them, but none of the options because of its avatar are kill them. And yeah. I said to Justin, "Can I make my goal to kill she?" Even though that's not one, of the, and he wanted me to pick one of the options on the list, but I knew in my head, and I said to him from episode before episode one, "Osa wants to kill she. That's his only goal." Mm. I respect that. Yeah. I kind of um uh Caleb just asked in the chat who was the season MVP and I feel like it kind of it was between Liko or Osa. I feel like it was Liko during the Boggy Swamp Park, but then it quickly moved to just like do those last like two episodes of the first half of the season. Like Osa just shined. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, really across bright. the whole season, I think Liko, hands mm-hmm. down. Um, but yeah, in the first half, I would say Osa. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I think everyone had good moments, but I think Osa had really good development early on mm-hmm. in those conversations with Toko. And then we mm-hmm. saw the real fulfillment of, sadly, his wishes yeah. um, and how the party had to deal with the falling out of living with this gaping hole. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that really put Osa front and center for us. Oh. Yeah. We got so much here, both questions we've received in advance and ones that are still coming in. What do you think, Danny? Uh, maybe we should, we should, uh, start winding down at some point. Yeah. But I am one thing I am curious about, like, is there anything 
that happened in the first half of the season that you regret or would have changed? Either like, but I think specifically like as your character, like if there's something different you would have had your character do. I would have liked to have portrayed my frustration at not being able to do something during the Osa scene more as like Jay's frustration. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I, think mm-hmm. I could have done a better job of really like leaning into, I realize that's sort of not answering your question, but yeah, I think I, I think if I had j- like directed that energy more into the character, it would have been a more powerful. Mm. But that's kind of what's fun about tabletop role-playing games, right? Like, you as a player are watching this and you're like, I do not want this to happen. Yeah. That was a, those were hard episodes for like all of us. I remember yeah. at that at the end of the episode when, when Alyssa finally did die, like there's just like silence after we were done recording. And I think we were all just like tearing up and like I know I was crying a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like silence. Wasn't it? And I was like, all right in the house. All right, I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Yeah. yeah this uh this touches into something with kind of both the acting and how it played out in the character right so my delivery with ren in grieving osa like there were moments where i genuinely cried um but those were moments during the time when i was pulling back to let other people finish their responses or scenes and then I had trouble accessing that in the moment where Ren was finally given the mic. So there's this like natural, like timing difference. that just happened to fall that way between like my personal sadness and grief and the moment when I might be able to say something or express something. Um, and I'm sure as our listeners can imagine to just like cry into a microphone wordlessly, Mm -hmm. uh, is like a vulnerable thing. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think, uh, I could have done that. Um, and I would have liked to, I think in hindsight, that's just a moment where I could have shown more courage as an actor. So, yeah, I think there was, there there were a lot of things that were, and some of the listeners even picked up on this, but there were, uh, a lot of things left unspoken between Osa and Ren that I, in hindsight, I wish that we, we had taken the time to make some of those things more direct and, and more explicitly known and, and say some of what was left unsaid. Um, but at the same time, we'll get a chance to explore some of that now. And so yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so it's okay. But I, I think there are things that Osa didn't say to Ren that I regret Osa not saying to Ren before he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vice versa, my friend. Vice versa. <laughs> uh, Monroe, we're talking about any regrets we have uh, from the first half of season one uh, for our characters. Yeah, thanks for catching me up. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Anyone else? Oh. oh, I thought you were asking me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're ready. No, it gives me time to think. <laughs> yeah, if someone else can give her time to think. Um, for me, I, I kind of touching on like what you were talking about too. Um, I, I, I still think back to Rosek's reaction to um, uh, Osa's fall. And I do kind of go back and say, I wish I could have played that out a little better because I did want him to like go back and kind of take out his anger on Dosa. But I kind of feel, I feel like I simplified it more than I would have now that I've had so much time to explore this character Hmm. and just be in this fiction. Hmm. It's funny that you say that because I feel like I, I think partially because I had more time to sit with it than everybody else, but I didn't have a lot of emotion in the moment about Osa dying, but mm. Rosuk's reaction specifically 
brought me to tears. Hmm. Oh, hmm. that was that was really yeah. good, Danny. I know when I was talking about pummeling Dosa, like I was like I was like getting red, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna stop talking. I muted my mic, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, I'll you come back me. too. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely. That. I definitely do not regret uh, Rosa just dragging Osa's or Dosa's unconscious body around um, Omashi. That was, <laughs> around that was heavy. <laughs> That's part two. That's part two. That's part two. We'll get into that more. But um, what about Justin? Do you have any GM regrets? I do actually. I um, I regret not killing all of you. <laughs> uh, very fair. No, <laughs> I uh, I regret not, um, and I'm still like, trying to figure out how I would have done this. Is um, I regret not giving Che more opportunity to use his uh, playbook feature. Mm-hmm. Um, that What's was actually uh, I forget what it's called, but basically you can like either yeah. supplicate yourself in front of your your. Uh, your group and like ask them for something or you can try and like steal it without them being aware and we did it the very very first episode to like get you guys money and the saddles initially and i just i like i don't know if i wasn't like explicit enough or maybe i should have been like you're out of money you're gonna have to find uh you're gonna have to find a project spark base somewhere um i don't know like i it, that one was that was actually one was one of the hardest things for me uh for the entire season was because project spark was clearly evil and your group was clearly opposed to them and i know i know that nick wanted Che to be clearly opposed to them so it was hard for me to set them up as like a sympathetic resource for you all mm. um so yeah i don't think it i don't think it came across bad in any way it's just like something that he couldn't leverage right because we just kept ending up in like places where project spark was like about to take over or about to enact their plans or like and it just kind of worked out that like we were just kind of slightly ahead of the curve and like he just didn't need to leverage or didn't get the chance to leverage his knowledge of the organization. Yeah, so I don't think it was all right. Bad. I also had a lot of trouble thinking of when to try to keep it. What about you, Monroe? Any regrets? Nothing. <laughs> not not in the first None half. Whatsoever. Not in the first half. I don't think. Oh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll get some juicy regrets on part two. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Some more to look forward to. Now I think we have time for a couple um, more questions um, before we wrap it up. Um, Akko and Alyssa asked another question in the Discord. They both kind of go hand in hand. Akko asked, um, what moment from the first half of the season still makes you giggle when you think about it again? And Alyssa asked, which moments made you laugh the most um, in this first half of the season? Jay making the bombs. (laughs) Coming in and being like, are you drinking alcohol? And then being like, no. I'm making bombs. Um, Fun fact. Um... Nick and I have a friend, Ben, and he's also in um, our Pathfinder game with us that we currently play in. And Ben was one of our early on fans. He's actually, his name is Ben Superfan in our Discord. And he made a comic about that interaction. And it's wonderful. I think you can see it in images, the images yeah. channel in or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's still up there somewhere. Or art or something. I don't know. Art. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's art. Yeah. Images. 
I think a moment that kills me just forever is the best way to eat cat gator stew is with your mouth. Oh my gosh. I um, my favorite is does Osa have non food pockets? Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I think I think my favorite is is the classic uh, squat. If you can hear me, classic. Oh yeah, it's classic. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was a struggle for me. I was like, this is a serious moment. <laughs> Danny, Danny tells the line on being a comedic relief for sure. I do. I really tried. I tried it. There's like, there's like a barrier there, and I'm like, maybe I can just peek through a little bit. I feel like I do step over it sometimes, but I definitely, especially in the second half, I learn how to be a little more tame yeah. with it. Yeah. I also think every time Pinchy Prawn came up and didn't get used, it got funnier. Yes, hundred yeah. percent got funnier. It just got funnier. It just got funnier and funnier. Yeah. Um, um, I for me, the, like uh, aside from what you mentioned, I get a crack. I think about this all the time. I think about you buying the cabbage with coal dust on it and dropping it from thousands of feet in the air on a bunch of unsuspecting <laughs> merchants, <laughs> and I just I giggle. That's just funny to me. Oh my god. Uh, uh, Monroe, did you have any? Do you think about any moments that just make you laugh just thinking about it from this first half of this season? Uh, I think something that comes to mind is the outhouse thing. Oh Ask for like, <laughs> like a cleansing with water, and Nico was like, "Got it." He did that. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, so funny. That was pretty funny. <laughs> That's good. Oh, All right. I think we got one last question here. Um just um I think we talked about it a little bit. I'm not gonna spoil this. But speaking of recent events, more likely if you guys have Netflix, um someone asked, I believe this was on Instagram, if our characters um, had a Vecna song, a upside down dimension song to get them out of it. What would it be? Oh yeah, I already have Rosex. Hit us. What we got? I think Rosex would his Vecna song would definitely be "Good Day" by Nappy Roots. Oh, I gotta look that up. I don't know that one. <laughs> it's great. It's a great song. Cause he's just trying to have a good day. He's just happy. To be- you, you like it as Danny as well? Yeah. Hmm? You like it personally? Oh, I as love well? that song. I love Nappy Roots, man. I don't think that Osa would have one. I think specifically <laughs> because he would want to stay in the upside down to try to fight Vecna. Oh, <laughs> this fight. Let's go. Yeah. Like someone would start playing a song, like, no, stop. <laughs> yeah. uh, Comes out of it, breaks. Oh, no. <laughs> Alyssa just said that. Um, I don't think it's too much spoilers for Stranger Things, right? Spoiler, Jason. Spoiler, Let's just not explore what it means in the show. Yeah, we'll just. It's just a weird hypothetical question. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry, Alyssa. <laughs> 
Uh, uh, Legos would be waterfalls by TLC. Oh, nice. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Stick to what you know. Basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, if he's in the first half, I think she kind of regretted joining these guys. <laughs> she did, yeah. <laughs> that was a running joke in the first half, for sure. Why did that hurt me? <laughs> the actual... Uh, Chase would be Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a good groove. It's a good groove. Yeah, I'm having trouble thinking about like whether Ren should be like, like, I don't know how someone gets out of the upside down, but I'm guessing like you're going for something that just touches the heart, whether that's like soothing or like arresting the attention or reviving someone. I don't know. I mean, at its base, it's essentially your favorite song. Yeah, so anything will do, huh? Why do I, though, feel like I can see Ren putting on his Kyoshi Warrior makeup to Reflections by Christina Aguilera? <laughs> yes. Like, that fits. There's there's yeah. some potential there, that for sure. There. For sure. I think to throw a curveball, the song Trains uh, by Porcupine Tree. It's a okay. British prog rock song. If you want to check it out. Uh, extremely soothing. And I think Ren needs a lot of that, to be honest. Just, just needs some <laughs> comfort. So, yeah, that might help. I think, I think Boomy is, is Tiptoe Through the Tulips by Tiny Tim. <laughs> I, I cannot listen to the song. You got Monroe. Thinking, without thinking of Insidious. That song <laughs> will always have, like, a horror context for me. It wasn't even scary <laughs> in the movie, though. It's just like a little kid ghost dancing to it. Whatever, dude. Yeah. But, okay. Well. Nothing is less scary than children. <laughs> Says the father of two. Let's have a little chat about that. I After this. Fear them. <laughs> Fair enough. They're just as scared of you as you are of them. <laughs> um, I hope they're not afraid of me. I don't think that applies to children. Never mind. It does not apply to children. Um, but wow. Guys, there's just so much for us to talk about and cover here. I know, I know. Like, <laughs> there's no way we can talk about it all. Like no, we, we won't. Another episode. Yeah, we won't be able to talk at all. <laughs> won't be able to talk no. about it all. But um, to hear some more, you guys are just gonna have to wait for episode two. Yeah. Um, next week. Yeah. Next week. Same time. Week. Yeah. Same time. Yeah. Um, thanks, everybody, our patrons. Thank you so much. Oh yeah. For yeah. being here. Yeah. Live sure. with us. Yeah. So cool. Speaking of, oh, so I was gonna say, speaking of people live, I've got a big announcement. <gasps> yes, gasp. So we, yes, gasp. Uh, we added a new Patreon goal. Oh, okay. Like, uh, what, talk about? <laughs> what did you? Oh, uh, no. I don't know. My mind went scary places. Just continue. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Uh, we added a new Patreon goal. We added a $50 goal. And once we meet that, which we are one patron away from meeting this goal, uh, we are going to start recording all of the pre-written one-shots that have been released so far for Avatar Legends, which at this point, there are uh, five in Wan Chi Tong's Adventures Guide, one for each era, and then a six in the core rulebook. Nice. And spoiler alert, we actually already hit it. We just hit it. Oh, yeah. 
we right before <laughs> right before we started recording we hit this mm. so uh it's going to be patreon patron exclusive content so if you are a patron you'll be able to listen to this and anyone who joins at any tier five dollars or up will have access to this content and the cool thing is we want to have like guest players and we might even have some guest gms so it's gonna be fun we're gonna start working on that I, we don't have like a time timeline on it because we're gonna have to you know get some guests and work on recording schedules and whatatnot but we'll start GTRPGs putting them these are the hardest thing in the world to schedule oh my gosh especially too when it's like at this level like you can't just be like hey what are you guys doing friday evening like, like most of the people we're going to be reaching out to like have their own actual plays and do stuff in this like yeah, community and so i know I at least pretend to have social commitments. Come on now. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to start pumping those out and it should be good. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm so excited. It's be great. Super yeah. fun. And uh, the, the $100 goal is still there, which is a, a, bri- a bi-weekly talk show. Like basically this. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably won't be all of us every time, but uh, this was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. I love doing this. Yeah, it was actually yeah, super fun. It was a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Once the internet works, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, once, once I am, um, I have a solution, but it's, it's it's on its way. But um, yeah, we're just having so much fun answering the questions. <laughs> yeah, Denny has actually purchased for all of us, uh, you know, <laughs> optical fiber, so we're good to go. You know, we don't have to worry about a solution for myself. I don't know oh. about you guys. I have a solution for my own internet. That's a little selfish, Danny, but whatever. <laughs> That's okay. You'll figure it out. We're all adults. But um. No, we're just having a great time answering um, the questions that we have for each other and you guys, the fans, also have for us. And also just taking a little peek behind the curtain of our thought process and our characters' thought processes um, within the fiction. Please uh, keep at it with the questions. Um, if you give us even more questions before we, we record um, episode two of Behind the Bison, we would love that. Just hit us, man, with those juicy questions <laughs> um, yes. we just love it when you guys give us feedback and ask questions that really let us explore and reveal a bit what horror characters are and we just love talking to you guys as well a great place to do that is in our discord there's almost always people chatting there not just about um things within the fiction of the flying bison but just about things in general we have pages wonderful people too yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah we have pages for a number of things um but if you you want to find other ways to support us besides watching the show or listening to the show rather and you know hanging out with us in discord um, we have some great support tiers in our uh, patreon that steve here can talk to you about sure yeah um so the five dollar a month level um is really amazing because it essentially is like the gateway drug <laughs> yeah, to our community. Sorry, am I not supposed to say things like that? Um, yeah, I mean, if you're an Ember Island player and you're listening right now, we really appreciate you. And honestly, the majority of folks who help this podcast keep going and keep growing are Ember Island players. And you're amazing. And we thank you so much for your support. Um, and then there's also the middle tier, the Pro Bender tier at $15 a month. And then the White Lotus tier at 45 a month. Uh, if you're someone who feels like, hey, you know what, I want to actually jump up a tier, um, we try to make that as rewarding as possible for you. We throw in some more perks. And it also, of course, helps us tremendously. Um, but if you can't do that, we totally understand. We appreciate you so much. Uh, and then there's the merch store as well. Um, 
if uh, if you haven't come by the merch store, we're about to rotate some stuff out. Um, so this would be a good time to look at what's there on our first lineup. Uh, we're trying to come up with new offerings and, and put some new things out there, but we're not going to keep everything out there when we put out new things. Uh, so this would be a good time to swing by mm-hmm. and use the discounts that you've earned by being a patron. Um, and other than that, I mean, I think really just come next time to the next one we're doing live. What date is that again? Mm-hmm. Uh, the 10th next week. Awesome. So yeah, please join us next time and we'll process some more amazing stuff together. This is super fun. Dude, I had a blast today, you guys. Yeah, thank um, you all. Yeah. Oh, thanks, um, Danny. Yeah, thanks for, <laughs> for leaving us, Danny. For leaving you? Okay, oh, right. Right. Leading so with a D. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, respect gone. Danny, finish us out. <laughs> all right. Um... <laughs> Caught me off guard there. But yeah, no, if you can't support us on Patreon, like we always say, just tell your friends about us. You know, that's probably one of the Give us a review. To give us a review. Yeah. You know, but yeah, until next time, we'll see you guys next week for any of our episodes. Goodbye. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Avatar Legends was developed and produced by Magpie Games. The worlds of Avatar The Last Airbender and Avatar The Legend of Korra are property of Viacom CBS. Intro music is Dizu by Senbei. Outro music is Tokyo Funk by LATG Music. Logo and art by Kate and Matthew Menke. You can find more of their work at pomican.com. Link in the show notes.